You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Well, hello, New Spring family. It's so wonderful to be able to be with you today. I just hope and pray that you have had just the best, best, best week. We say it all the time that we want everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship, and we mean it. We just hope that your everyday this week was marked by an everyday relationship with Jesus. And because of your everyday relationship with Jesus, your days were just better. Uh, That you had more peace, more hope, more calm, more confidence as you went through the course of this week. Uh, We just saw the Easter promotion, and I just really hope and pray that you'll be praying into who you're gonna be inviting along to Easter services this year. Uh, We all know that Easter and Christmas are two services where basically anyone's gonna come along. So just make sure that the people in your neighborhood, the people at your workplace, in your middle school, high school, at your college, at least get an invitation to hear the empowering and freeing good news that comes from the Gospels, that comes from the story of Jesus. And that's what we're doing at the moment. We're in a series all about the Gospels. And the Gospels are the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And and the four books are important because four books give us multiple eyewitnesses and speaks to the truth and the trustworthiness of the story. As well as that, the four Gospels helps us have different angles on Jesus. Uh, I was at an Aiken women's event recently speaking at it and, and uh, we were taking some selfies afterwards and I just discovered that there is such thing as a good side and a not so good side. And do you have a good side? <laughs> well, well, Jesus has four beautiful sides that you can see through the Gospels. And it's so important that we continually return to these stories because the Gospels were always meant to be the base from which we did life the base from which we did ministry and church. And I love the fact that we've had the chance to explore through Matthew and Mark so far. The word gospels alone just really means good news. And it's so important we keep returning to the good news. Because how many know that good news can become old news really quick? Have you heard that phrase before, that familiarity breeds contempt? Well, if you're around something good, for long enough, if you don't remind yourself that it's really, really good, it can become meh, old news. Never allow the Gospels to become old news. As well as that, a lot of people have missed the news. How many know you can be around and there's really good news circling around, but somehow you didn't get the memo, you didn't read the email, you didn't get the slack, and you missed the good news. There are a lot of people at church in South Carolina today who were sitting in church, singing the songs, even listening to this talk, but somehow in your journey, you've missed the good news. As well as that, good news can be messed up. Uh, It's possible to get the facts wrong. It's possible to have some details left out. In fact, there are a lot of people sitting in church right now who think they know the good news, but you haven't heard the full good news, and because you haven't heard the full good news, your understanding of God and your ability to live for His glory is limited. That's the reason we have spent time diving in again into these beautiful stories about Jesus, the gospel's good news. And this week is my honor and privilege to be able to look at the book of Luke. And the book of Luke uh, was obviously written by a guy named Luke, and it is very unique in a number of ways. 
Luke actually talks about why he wrote um, the book of Luke. In Luke chapter one, verses one through to four, he talks about how many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled amongst us. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Luke, we know from uh, references in the New Testament, primarily by Paul, was a medical doctor. Uh, He was also a Greek. Uh, He was responsible for the writing of the book of Luke and the book of Acts, and from just sheer words alone, was responsible for writing the largest portion of the New Testament. Think about that. People that the world had written off, God writes into his story and actually uses to write the story. He is um, very adept with classical Greek. The language in the book of Luke, in the original Greek, is a lot richer than what you would see in, say, the book of Mark. And his understanding of uh, the human body, (laughs) biology, uh, has him speaking about the healing miracles with a richer depth of detail. And he's writing this book as he's suggesting there in the first couple of verses of Luke chapter one to a guy named Theophilus. We're just just guessing that Theophilus was probably a benefactor, a wealthy person who wanted to hear for himself what is the deal with this Jesus guy. The whole world is talking about him. Everyone is getting radically changed by him. His his mouth, uh, his his name is on everyone's uh, lips and coming out of everyone's mouth. I want to hear for myself what is the deal with this Jesus guy. And Luke investigates it thoroughly, and he presents a very deep, rich, and detailed take on the life of Jesus. And as you look at the book of Luke, you'll see some very distinct, unique details. First and foremost, Luke was a book written to like everyone, (laughs) whereas Matthew really had a Jewish focus, and we can see that because of the genealogies pointing back towards Abraham, as well as that references to different feasts and festivals within the Jewish tradition. And Mark written to the Romans, like a cliff notes, kind of a YouTube clip on, give us all the important points. Luke is a deep dive into the life of Jesus, and for some reason had, had elements that would resonate with Jewish people, with, with Greek people, with, with Roman people, because God is all about everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with Jesus. So there's a, there's a richness about it. And like I said, because he's a medical doctor, and because he was well-traveled, we know that he was one of Paul's travel companions, went on missionary journeys with him. There are details about healing, and there are details about geography that didn't appear in the other Gospels. And specifically, one point that Luke keeps referring to, returning to, is this concept of Jesus being the Son of Man. It's gonna be really important that we lean into that over the next couple of minutes because that is the distinctive in the book of Luke. Whereas in 
the book of Matthew, we see him painted as the Messiah, the promised Savior who was going to come, the Son of God. And, and Mark, like we heard about last week from Mary, the suffering servant, Luke very deliberately paints a very detailed picture of Jesus, the Son of Man. Whereas Matthew's genealogy links back to Abraham, in Luke chapter 3, you'll see the genealogy linked back to Adam. Uh, You'll see more characters, more people talked about in Luke than all the other gospels. Over 100 different people are referenced in the book of Luke. Like I said, there's going to be stories and details about healing and and Jesus' interaction with all kinds of people. Women are elevated in the book of Luke. The marginalized are spotlighted in the book of Luke. Why? Because Luke wanted to let people know as he was commissioned by Theophilus. It's true. God really came to earth. He didn't just dwell amongst us as God disconnected from humanity, but he came in as the son of man, as one of us, fully God, but also fully man, and he dwelt amongst us. He lived amongst us. He loved amongst us, and he would die for us. It's called a hypostatic union. This, this mind-blowing, breathtaking, beautiful reality that Jesus was at the same time fully God and fully man. And that, my friends, changes everything. I, I know for me, I, I have no issue. And as a young believer, I never had an issue with the thought of, Jesus being fully God. I like the thought of a miracle worker. I like the thought of like feeding of the 5,000 and opening the eyes of the blind and raising the dead. But the thought that at the same time, Jesus was fully man. That he knew what it was like to go to middle school and get bullied. He knew what it was like to kind of look at his future and scratch his head. He knew what it was like to, to have moments of, of, of fear and, and doubt and even There were times where he would ask his father, hey, father in heaven, like, let's go through this game plan again. There were times where he felt overwhelmed. There were times where he felt like pressed and stressed. Jesus was fully God, fully man. Get your mind around that. (laughs) Jesus knows what it's like to have a crazy family. Jesus knows what it's like to kind of not bathe for a day and have a little bit of BO. Jesus was fully God and fully man. So you ask this question, okay, how does this impact my everyday? How does this mark my everyday relationship with Jesus? So so what he was fully man at the same time as being fully God, what does this do for me today? Well, three simple things that change when you understand that Jesus truly was fully man. First and foremost, now you can walk forward with a total confidence that he sympathizes with you. Because, because Jesus was fully God and fully man, we now can stand confidently that we have a God who fully sympathizes with us. That's the reason in the book of Hebrews chapter four, it talks about how we don't have a high priest in Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. We we don't have a Jesus who is not able to relate to us. 
But because he entered into the earth, experienced what we experienced, the Bible says here, was tempted in every single way. Experienced everything in every single respect. We now can look towards him and say, not only do you feel me, but you have felt what I feel. That changes everything. It changes the way that you drive to work in the morning feeling a little overwhelmed. And as you pray to Jesus, you're not praying to someone who's like going, well, good luck with that, buddy. You're praying to someone who's like going, there were days where I felt overwhelmed. And then seriously, when you're in your house and you're feeling like you can't get a spare minute, some, some ladies know what it's like to have like kind of 24 hours a day. It feels like someone's like nipping at your heels. You're just hiding in the bathroom and people are banging on the door. And you go, hey, no one knows what it's like to kind of never get a minute to myself. No, no, Jesus gets it. There were times where he was absolutely exhausted. He felt like his tank was absolutely dry. He would step off a boat and he'd be surrounded by another crowd. But because he had a heart full of compassion, he would try to feed them as well. He knows what it's like. Just think about the way it changes the way you worship. When you're sitting in a room and you're like kind of, you're carrying all this stuff and you just, you literally, you, every bit of energy you had, you burnt this morning to get into the house because this is your last port of hope and you got in here and your hands are raised and you're feeling pain. I'm telling you now, when you sing to a God who says, you know what, I know pain too. I'm fully God by a loud. This story to be unfolded in the sense where now you see me as fully man. I know pain as well. It changes everything about our everyday relationship with Jesus. When you are reminded through the book of Luke that every day, whatever you feel, he felt it too. You think about talking with someone who has been through a similar kind of experience with you. There's a different kind of connection. We have a lot of retired military people, a lot of retired returned servicemen within and service women within our church. I always love it when two people from the military connect. As much as I'm trying to relate and connect and hang out and, and be like, when two people who have been through something similar see each other and connect, they connect. That's who Jesus is. When he sees you, he can connect because he's not a high priest unacquainted with what you've been through. Son of man has felt what you feel. Not only does he sympathize with you, we can now declare that we have a God who seeks us. Because the son of man came into the earth, he seeks us. In fact, the, the, the central scripture it, it, for many commentators and scholars in the book of Luke is Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, talking about how the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. He comes to seek us. That's the primary difference between the gospel and every other world religion. Every other world religion is basically man's pursuit of God. <laughs> it's your effort, it's your energy, it's your service, it's your sacrifice, it's your blood shed. It's your festival engaged in. It's your offering brought. If you do enough, you can perfect yourself to get to God. The gospel flips that on the head and says, you know what? No, God would come to earth, son of man, and seek you out. 
In fact, a couple of weeks ago when I came back from the Aiken Women's event, uh, I broke down on the way back. <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, I, I was driving an electric car and, and I had 100% charge before I left. On, and, and by the time I got to Aiken, guess what? It said 45%. So, so this is not a, a great situation, all right? So I'm like just, I'm praying. I'm like kind of going, hey, will this be enough? Like kind of logically, it shouldn't be enough. And, and it wasn't enough. And I ran out of battery on the edge. Thank goodness. You know how dark it is between Aiken and Anderson in the middle of the night? Well, I got to the edge of Anderson and the car shut down. Thankfully, my, my wife and my daughter were out of town. So, so I called my 17-year-old son and my boy Josiah at 11 o'clock got out of bed and that's, that's how old I am. I got a son who can pick me up when I'm broken down. He came out to the edge of Anderson and, and brought me home. Uh, have you broken down before? <laughs> if you broke down, who would you call? And how far would they drive to come and get you? <laughs> What's the limit? Is it the edge of Anderson? <laughs> would they drive all the way to Greenwood? Would they come all the way to Aiken and pick you up and bring you back? How far would they go to pick you up? Well, the Bible makes it clear in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. All of us have broken down. All of us have run out of battery and gas. None of us can get back to God's glory, his perfection, into relationship with him. So that's the reason God would send his son Jesus fully God and fully man, to find you where you are. Our default setting is lost <laughs> and broken down. His default setting is searching and trying to find you out. And in Luke chapter 15, you'll see maybe one of the most famous portions of Luke talking about all these lost objects because God wanted you to know very clearly that he has come to seek everyone out everywhere. In Luke chapter 15, you'll read about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a couple of lost sons. And the reason Luke chapter 15 is there is because the book of Luke is trying to let you know that the Son of Man has come to find everyone, <laughs> uh, the sheep that wandered off. So you just wandered off by accident. It's your nature to wander off. Uh, the coin, you're lost. You don't even know you're lost. <laughs> the rebel, hey, you ran away from home and you did it deliberately. Uh, those wound up in religiosity. You think you're a part of the search party, but you're actually lost. God sends his son Jesus, fully man, to seek and to save all. That's the reason this Easter season is especially weighty. Because this Easter season is another opportunity. And we don't know how many other opportunities we get going forward. Come on, life is fragile, life is short. If this is an open invitation, an invitation that people, especially in this part of America, will respond to, how dare we? Not every single day, everywhere we are, live life with our eyes open, asking, hey God, who are you trying to use me to seek? And if you're sitting here right now and you're feeling a million miles away from God, you feel broken down in the journey, you feel overwhelmed with stress, you feel stuck on the side of the road, know this, even though our default setting is lost and broken down, his default setting is searching and he is coming to find you. There are some of you feeling that even right now in your campuses. There are some people sitting in this room right now who feel, wow, God, you're trying to get through to me because he not only comes to sympathize with us, he seeks us out, he comes to find us where we are. And thirdly and lastly, he not only sympathizes with us, he not only seeks, but he saves. The son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. So he comes to find you where you're at but he loves you so much, he won't leave you there. 
he will do everything required to save you. The Bible makes it clear we've all fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of this falling short is an eternal separation from him. But the Son of Man comes to save us. I love how at the end of Luke, you'll see Jesus in what I believe to be one of his most human moments. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Luke is there pondering the cross. He has lived a perfect life. He has interacted with humanity. He has heard their story. He has let them know that people from every part of the world are written into God's story. He's shown what messiahing really is like through suffering and through sacrifice and through service. People will be saved and now he's looking towards the cross. The ultimate saving work that would be enacted through a loving father. But he's struggling with it. He's wrestling with it because that's a, that's a heavy weight to bear. In fact, you would say in the 42nd verse of the 22nd chapter, hey, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. If this is what it takes to save people, as painful as it is in my humanity, I don't want to do this, but not my will, yours be done done. Do you, do you know the, 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 right now, the, the worst thing you've ever drunk? Can, can you kind of bring to mind the worst thing you've ever put into your mouth and drunk down? I can. It happened in 2017. And we had just moved to South Carolina and it was the beginning of football season. And a good friend of mine and a good friend of ours invited us to, you know, come along and watch some football with, with him in his seats, and so he tells me, okay, be here at this certain time. I don't have a spare parking pass for you. You'll have to find your own parking, but, but meet me by this gate. So we drive on out there. It's, it's early September, so it's like 4,000 degrees in the state of South Carolina, and, and, and I got shocked at how hard it was to find parking. And so we found parking about, how far is the walk, of course, from the stadium? Two miles? It's about a mile, mile and a half, okay? So it was a distance away, and we're park, we parked our car, and a family of four are now just walking down the road, a little bit lost, because we didn't really know where we were. We're walking down the road, it's hot as anything, and I'm exhausted. So my buddy calls me up and says, hey, where are you? And I said, I'm by the golf course right now, and it's steaming hot, I don't know if we'll be able to make it. He says, don't worry, just wait there, I'll come and get you. So he gets into his truck, and he drives back down towards where we were, and he picks us up. And so I get in the front seat, my family get in the back seat, and I am hot, I'm sweaty, I'm exhausted, I'm thirsty. And so instinctively, I saw my friend had like a Bojangles cup sitting um, in his cup holder. And so I just picked it up, and just instinctively, because I'm just trying to like, you know, like wet my parched throat, I take a sip. I remember the first thing that I felt was that this drink wasn't cold, it was warm. And it wasn't like kind of nice and clear like, like a sweet tea, but it was a little thick. And then I remember it was bitter and a little minty. <laughs> and then my friend looks over and he freaks and he goes, what are you doing? And he grabs the drink from me. As he grabs the drink, I just instinctively swallow it. And then he goes, what are you doing? And I goes, what do you mean? He goes, this, this is my spit cup. 
and he opens up the top and he does this and he spits in it. That is the worst thing I've ever put into my mouth and drunk down. When Jesus said, hey, Father, take this cup from me, what he was actually saying was, it's gonna be really painful to save people. Because I'm not just fully God, impervious to pain and to pressure. No, I'm fully man, and I know what this is going to entail. Yet not my will, but yours be done. What was in that cup? In that cup was all of our sin. Was every lie that I've told. Every bit of bitterness that I've harbored. Every word of murder I've spoken. Every bit of hidden unfaithfulness that I keep stashed in the corner of my heart. The things that I've taken that aren't mine. The times I've been jealous and wished others downfall. Sin would go into that cup. All of it. What else went into that cup? It was the brokenness of the world. Everything that was not kingdom since the fall of man back in Genesis chapter three. All of the fear, all of the insecurity, all of the comparison, all of the broken competition, the addictions that swirl in the earth, the divisions in society, the fracture in our culture, it was all poured into that cup. Also poured into that cup is the wrath or the wrath of God. Because God is a perfect just judge. And everyone in the universe, including God, wants to see justice where there is a wrong. We deserve all of God's wrath poured in our direction. But God in his goodness gave us Jesus, fully God but fully man, to take all of the wrath to take all of the punishment, to take all of the pain, and it was poured into that cup. And Jesus would take that cup, and even though everything in his humanity wanted this cup to be passed on, he would take that cup, and he would drink it all down. Why? Because it required the perfect son of man to stand on behalf of a broken humanity and to save. Luke paints the picture. The breathtakingly beautiful picture of Jesus. Son of man who sympathizes with you. Who came to find you where you are. And even though it took him to drink the most bitter cup. He did it so that you could be saved. And I pray that first and foremost that this would ruin your addiction to sweet tea forevermore. Second of all, I hope and pray that this would always be a reminder every single time you see any form of polystyrene cup, 
what the Son of Man had to do to bring you home. What the Son of Man had to do to save you. Jesus, the high priest who sympathizes with you, Jesus, the one who seeks you out and finds you where you are, Jesus, the one who drunk the cup so that you could be saved. So as we wrap up our time, I encourage all of our ministry teams on every single campus to get into their positions. Like we do every single week, we respond. Why? Because when God is good and when God speaks, when God moves, it's right for us to respond. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want you to know that he knows you and he's inviting you into a relationship with him every single day. And there's a cross in every single room and I encourage you as we stand to our feet and begin to worship God in song in a little bit, that you would slip out of your seats and find a key volunteer or a leader down at the cross because they wanna talk to you about what it really means to be saved by a loving God who took the cup for you. For everyone in this room right now who knows Jesus and you have a relationship with him, we're gonna do communion. But today, communion is gonna take on a different hue because as you walk forward and you take that cup, you're gonna remember his body given and this cup taken so that you could drink this cup of freedom and partake in the communion of being a part of the community of Christ. I'm gonna invite you to come out of your seats and grab the communion elements. For some of us, we're gonna give. For all of us, we're gonna give. Our tithes, our first tenth, our offerings above and beyond. We're gonna give unto the Lord, but it's not grudgingly. No, no, it's out of a cheerful heart. Why? Because of knowing how much God gave to get us here. Some of us need to pray. And we're going, you know what? I'm going through a lot of stuff. Remember, that as you step out of your seats and connect with someone up the front, you're not praying to a distant, nonchalant, apathetic, aloof God. You're praying to someone who at every twist and turn can say, you know what? I felt that too. And all of us at some point in the next couple of moments are gonna worship. Because in the light of the Son of Man doing what he did, how can we do anything less? You're worthy of all honor and all glory and all praise. Jesus sympathizes, he seeks, and he saves. May your breath be taken away. May your mind be blown away again. May your soul be stirred afresh. As you look at this Jesus, the Son of Man. Lord Jesus, as we respond, Give us such a great sense of your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.